Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allahumma salli wa sallim, Barak ta'ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Right, and so, I think straight into, into the lesson, I think, today. So the translation, um, again, and we're covering the last few points here. Um... The obligations of wudu are six in the chapter of the obligations of wudu. The obligations of wudu are six. Number one, washing the face with the mouth and nose included as part of that. Washing the hands up to and including the elbows. Wiping the head with the ears included. And then for hopefully for today, inshallah, we're covering the, the final three. Uh, washing the feet, maintaining the above order and maintaining continuity. Meaning that one doesn't delay washing the washing of a limb until the one before it dries up. So that's basically the three things which I hope, inshallah, that we can cover today. Um, so this takes us to page 188 in the Sharh uh, of Al Sharh Mumtia. So um, we did complete the previous one, right? Did we completely do the wiping over the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the ears and so on? I did mention that um, I spoke about the Sunnah is achieved just like this. Yes, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu is narrated in the, the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba. This is exactly how he was described to have done the, uh, the wiping of the ears. He put his forefingers into his ears and then he used the thumb to go round. Yeah, so he used the thumb to go round the outer part of the ear. And as I said, it is also acceptable for you to do the inner part of the ear as well using the four fingers as well. But as I mentioned last week, this inside wiping, doing any kind of wiping inside, and then doing this, this is all a sunnah aspect. Your your obligatory aspect of the ears is achieved but just by putting your fingers actually in the ears. And I told you my own personal opinion that the wiping of the ears in its origin is something which is not an obligation aslan. But it is definitely uh, safer to proceed on this on the on the side of caution. Uh, a number of the, the companions uh, were very strict when it comes to washing the ears. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Anas ibn Malik, uh, and uh, they, you know, they would, uh, yani, uh, they, they would become very strict when it comes to telling the people, make sure you wash your ears. That doesn't necessarily mean it's an obligation from the Prophet because these were also the companions who were very, very uh, eager to do complete perfect wudu every single time. And you will see some... Anas ibn Malik, for example, we didn't cover, we didn't, I didn't mention this, but again in the Musandaf of Ibn Abi Shaiba with an authentic chain, Anas ibn Malik would wipe his head three times. Okay, so once, twice, three times. Okay. So you can see that there is this concern. Abdullah ibn Umar, he would take fresh water for the wiping of the head, as we mentioned last week, that's also what the Prophet would do. Take fresh water and then wipe and then go straight onto the ears. Abdullah ibn Umar has been narrated, again authentically, that he would take fresh water for the head, and then he would then go and take fresh water for the ears. And as it's narrated, that he would get the water between his two fingers, like he would almost like pick up water between his two fingers. So he's got like quite a significant amount of wetness now between the two fingers. Then they go in. You see what I'm saying? So like quite a, quite a, quite a, quite a heavy kind of wiping with quite a bit of water. Certainly not a washing, certainly not a washing, but... Again, you can see that there is a concern there for 
um, for focus as well. And uh, wiping over the head, we have different narrations from, and we will come to this later, talking, I, I've already said, I've already intimated my personal position, which is that the wiping over the head itself, okay, the actual wiping, um, for those who are wearing a turban, uh, an amama, or a uh, hijab, or something like this, then it is permissible if there is a need um, to wipe over the, the niqab or the, the, the hijab in its place as it is on the turban. It is permissible. And I don't want to say that it, I don't want to condition it that there has to be a need, that there has to be like men around or that there has to be, um, it has to be very cold or there has to be very little water. And only in that case do you, I don't want to make it like that. I do want to say to you that it is permissible. It is permissible. Uh, but generally, the scholars they keep they they would rather you actually go for your head. Aisha radiallahu anha. There are a number of narrations from her, but one of the famous narrations is that when her hijab was on, she put her fingers underneath her hijab, and she wiped her entire head underneath her wataya, the meaning that which was covering her head, okay, and completely underneath the hijab. So she could have easily just gone over the the hijab as well. I'm just showing that even though one thing is permissible, the done thing is something else. At the same time, Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Umar, he would have a hat, and some hats are worn on the back, you know, slightly. And so the hair, little bit of hair shows. So he would just wipe, the, the, wipe the, 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 the portion of the head there. So there's a lot of narrations from the companions wiping all of it a number of times, or just, just a portion of it sometimes. So um, what do we learn from that? We learn that as long as some kind of wiping occurs on the head, the obligation is done. But the sunnah, the correct way to wipe the head is to give it a full complete wipe, whether you start from the front to back or back to front or from the middle and you go to the front to the back. Okay, right? So it's important to recognize these uh, parameters. So now we move on to the washing of the feet. Okay, and this is the fourth obligation from the obligations of wudu. And um, the author, our author, what does he say? He says washing the feet. Okay, rijlain. Okay, the rijl is one, rijlain or rijlan, okay, both uh, obviously uh, according to the grammatical construct of the sentence, rijlan or rijlain means two feet, alright, and rijl means one. Now obviously the, the author has summarized this point. Shaykh Uthaymin says that actually what he really should say is what Allah says. He should, he should be uh, specific and he should mention ilal ka'abain, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, arjulakum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wash your feet up into the ankles. Okay? And we've already discussed that ila, the word to, means up to and including the ankles. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention the uh, up to and including the ankles? Because when you say rijil, you only think of the foot. You don't necessarily think of it going all the way up into the ankle, right? And so therefore, that's why Allah clarifies. And likewise, when the author makes this point, he should also clarify. And so, therefore, he says, Rahimahullah, he goes, uh, Shaykh Uthameen, he goes that it, it was really, he goes that what the author did is that he used the word that represents the entire washing, alayhi rahmatullah. But, labud, he really should have said, ilal ka'abin, like Allah says, up until the upward to including the ankles. Okay, so this is, this is, this is, this is also, um, this is good. And he makes, a, he makes a point, he goes that, even Islamically, when we hear the word uh, foot, you know that cutting off of the foot in certain, cri- in certain crimes 
is a, is a sharia punishment, okay? In Hiraba, meaning armed robbery, meaning like highway robbery, meaning like very, very violent uh, theft was what I'm talking about, robbery. And terrorism, this is one of the punishments that is mentioned, the cutting off the feet and the hand from opposite sides. It can so happen that both hands, both feet will be cut off. Now, when the feet are cut off, when the word feet is mentioned in the ayah, it does not mean up into the ankle. In actual fact, as you probably can guess, you'll need to leave the ankle uh, to, to cut off the foot. Meaning, uh, any limb which is cut off in a, in a punishment, in a had, it always leaves the, the stub. What's it called? Just the joint? Stump. 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 So what is the stump in the foot? Is it the ankle? What would create the stump? We were to... If you were to, uh, physiologically speaking, if you were to cut underneath the ankle, is that a stump? Would that stump up? Whatever. I don't think so. If I was to cut my leg right through my tibia, fibia, halfway through my shin. Sorry? I don't think so. No, no, you then, you then, you then make a flap, isn't it? Meaning you'd have to do stuff or whatever. I'm saying a natural end, a natural ball joint. Yeah, but the, the point is, is that if you're going to maintain the same length of the individual by cutting the foot, which we mentioned, which is good, which is which is which is which which actually maybe is a better point, that maybe the the more uh, uh, the ulama when they when they talked about the uh, the wisdom of how a limb is cut, they did say that when the limb is cut, that's a punishment. There can't be a double punishment. So a double punishment would be that if you were to cut at the wrong part on the on the foot, you would have unequal. Heights and if you wouldn't be able to walk, so that's why it's important to have a very set place where it's cut so that there is an equal amount of you know that you can create a stump and then you can walk equally. But also, in addition to that, I do think that the actual ball job, I mean, I'm, I'm, my physiology is like you know rubbish, but I think that there needs to be some kind of rounded joint which underneath it cuts. I don't know, someone, maybe some doctors, whatever. No one on this online. Where's that second thing? Where's that one? I just noticed he's not here. He ain't got a second uh, computer, no? No, no. no. Have, yeah? uh, you have, yeah? You cut it like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this. Yeah, and uh, and, and what's underneath that? And then that's the ankle that would leave the joint, isn't it? So you're just cutting this bit. Hmm. Hmm. So, anyways, Sheikh Lothaymin, he says, he says that. Um, the highway robbers He goes that the, the, When we cut the foot of the highway robber We cut it at the joint between the foot The, the back of the foot yani the, the front of the foot This top part of the foot, whatever that's called And the ankle, right in between there And the ankle is not cut The ankle is not cut that's why it's important, and that's why, and we call that a foot. That's why, if we're now redefining the word foot for purification, then we know it's different for the word foot for Sharia punishment. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah. And sometimes, you actually, even in the Arabic language, when you say "rijal," it actually means the whole leg. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Just generally, if you were to say, you know, the guy's been, you know, kicked in the in the rijal, and it would mean, you know, the whole leg. So it's important to restrict the actual word by the context. So in purification, we do require to say... Mm-hmm. 
Now, every, every, every mention of a limb will re require uh, a very exact definition depending upon the act of worship that it applies to. That's the, 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 main, the main lesson. Anyway, Al-Ka'bain, al or Al-Ka'ban, as Sheikh Uthameen says, he says it's important that we discuss actually what this is. This is the ankle in the Arabic uh, uh, language. And then he goes, it is the two uh, bones that come out at the bottom of the, sh of the, of the uh, uh, shin uh, 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 next to the foot. And this is the truth that Ahl Sunnah are upon. Now you might be thinking, hold on, we're getting a bit serious here for defining an ankle. But there's a reason for that. Okay, the reason for that because the Rafida, okay, the the uh, the Rafida Shia, the extreme Shia, uh, they said that the Kaabain is not the ankle. They said the Kaab is this bone here. What's that called? This, 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 this. This, you know, the, the, the pointing out bone, man. This one. It's not metatarsal. What's it called? The on top of your foot. What's that bone called? <laughs> huh? What is that called, man? You know this big one. You know the big one that that points out like that on the, on, the, on your foot, everyone's foot. Right. So what? What? Okay. So. So so when I run my hand down my foot, okay. I, that's, that's just that. That's all it is. It's just arch in the way you put it. It's up. No, no, okay, so now I put my foot up flat. Yeah. You will definitely feel a prominent bone there. Okay, so that's higher up now. So there are your tarsal. Uh, yeah, your tarsal. Cuneiform so bone? It's quite a few. <laughs> a what? A bone? A cuneiform bone. There's three cuneiform bones. Cuboid bone. There's like seven of them, so. Well, yeah, right, come here. <laughs> look, look, hey, hey, hey. Come here. No, look, hey, it's on the floor. I don't want to look over there. I'm going to I'll show it to him right there okay. so there's no bubbles. Come right here, right here. Right. Put your foot down, relax so that you can't say that it's in this, that, whatever. What's that? What's that? Alright, so. What's that, that right there? would probably be. Cuneiform, Zakalaka. I can't see squat, bro. Alright, you got this thing in the way, I can't see anything. Yeah, I think that's what it is, yeah, the cuneiform bone. It might be the navicular bone. <laughs> anyway, the point is, it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that, is that thing which protrudes. That's the whole point, okay? Because the cab also refers to something which protrudes. Protrudes. Okay, from uh, the out. So the arch would be something which is protruding. Okay, so that bone is what the Shia, the Rafida, they said that's the Kaab, which is why in their wudu they only wash up to there. They don't wash the entire foot, they only wash literally like the front of their foot, like some lame kind of behavior. Yeah, right? So, um, uh, You see, and, the, and, and they, they have a reason. They have a reason for that. They said this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ To the two Kaabs. 
Ka'bain means two Ka'bs. He didn't say Ila al-Ki'ab. Ila al-Ki'ab. Ki'ab is many ankles. Okay? He said two ankles in the, in the Quran. He didn't say many ankles. Now, the Shia are speaking now. They said that if you are saying Ila al-Ki'abain, you have to find two bones. But you are currently washing to four bones because you have two ankles on each foot. So therefore, it should be Ki'ab if you are right and it's referring to the ankles. But because it's saying Ila al-Ki'abain, two, uh, two bones, then the only two bones on the entire foot is that bone there and that bone there. And if it was the way you're saying it, then it should be one, two, and three, four on your both feet. Have you understood the argument? Understood what they, they, they're saying? Okay. Uh, he goes, and every, every, every foot only has one, one, uh, one cab. Um, Sheikh Uthameen, he, go, he goes, that the response to them is simple. The sunnah of the Prophet When he washed his feet, he washed his feet as witnessed by the companions, mutawatir, yani without any doubt, he washed his feet right up to the ankle, that we know the ankle, right up to the shin. Right up to the shin. And he is more knowledgeable about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intended by this ayah, and he followed him exactly. And every single companion copied the Prophet like that exactly. We have nothing which we have narrated from any one of the early Imams or Muslims that ever washed their foot only halfway of the front. Rather all of them. So that's the, the response. Um, so the Rafidah, Shaykh Uthameen says, he says, the Rafidah, uh, they always uh, 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 have some issues and specifically, 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 Shaykh Uthameen says that the Rafidah differ from Ahlul Sunnah in washing their feet in three ways. In three definitive, in three distinct ways. The first way, that they do not actually wash the foot. They only wipe. They do not actually wash the foot. They only wipe. The second way, that their, their purification, their purificatory wipe, that wipe, ends at that cuneiform bone. That halfway down the foot bone. That's it. And number three, they do not wipe over leather socks. They do not wipe over leather socks. So they're wiping, they're wipe. So they don't wash, they wipe, and they, but they wipe over the skin. They only do that wiping up until that cuneiform bone, halfway up the front of the foot there. And finally, they don't wipe anything which is covering the foot. It has to be the skin itself. Okay? And he goes, that, and Sheikh Uthameen just chucks in, you know, just chucks in at the end. He goes, the, the, the irony, of course, is, <laughs> he goes, the irony is that they do this with the knowledge that the one who actually narrated to us the wiping of the khuf is Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he is, according to them, the imam of the ummah and so on. So, uh, that's that's the response to that. I just want to also mention that we did talk about this in the Sunnah section about the fingers, the, uh, the uh, toes, and that Abdullah bin Umar used to be very very strict when he would see someone washing their feet and they wouldn't go through the toes. He would tell them to go through the toes. <coughs> um, in, uh, what's his name? Uh, 
this and why for example did we see from the opportunity okay, why does um, the wiping of the head then change to washing the feet so this is so this is good so um, for those that understand uh, Arabic okay um, this is a little this is uh, for those who understand Arabic and those who are interested in the the balagha of the Quran and the, some of the and the different qiraat of the Quran um, you will know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah in the main way that it is narrated Al-Akfar Shaykh أرجلكم أكثر الفتح يعني حفص يعني but I'm saying that is it you think across all the Quran the majority is فتح isn't it okay so if you I'm going to I'm going to read the ayah and translate it if you can bring up the ayah so they can see it on the screen okay right then uh, show me the screen, Shaz. It's not good you seeing the screen. Okay, so if you look at the... Are you able to uh, use the uh, thingy? Are you able to use the uh, uh, cursor to yeah. follow what I'm uh, uh, reciting? Yeah. Okay, so so look at this, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 6. He says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. Okay, O you who believe. Ida qumtum ila salati. Okay, when you... Get ready for prayer. When you want to get ready for prayer, ila salati. Okay. Now I just want you to look at this word ila. Alright. This word ila is from a group of words. Okay. A preposition. Which actually makes the following word what we call majroor. Okay. Majroor means that it makes the end of the next word uh, uh, with a kasra. So it makes it ila salati. That could have been, for example... Uh, that word can be recited as salatu okay, or as-salata, or as-salati. These are the three options, uh, isn't it? Yes? <laughs> but the reason we know, if there was no tashkil, if there was no zabr al-fatha, nothing there at all, imagine it was just the Arabic word without the help, without the harakat, without the diacritical marks. We would always know that that word is salati, as-salati, because the word ilah is before it. Ilah is this tool which basically makes it Salati, as-salati. Does that make sense? Okay? And that is the entire way of Arabic language. Arabic language is not... The Arabic uh, 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 script is never written with fatha, dhamma, kasra, uh, tanween, blah, blah, blah. We work that out. The more you study Arabic, you work that out by just looking at what's before it, what's after it, where it's positioned in the sentences, and because they're the things which are making it in that state. And then obviously for us, Pax, someone just helped us out and put all the tashkil in. Yeah, so that's good. All right? So I want you to understand that that's, that is absolutely essential. And these kind of words, or we should say letters, because they're, they're technically letters, they're huruf. These things, adawatul jarh, okay? The things which make, these things which make words become, have a kasra on it, like salati, or wudu'i, or, or rijli, or whatever. All these groups of words, there's a number of them. The, the, the two very important ones in this ayah are the word ila and the letter, the letter ba, okay, b, the word b, which means with, okay, which means in, which means not number of things, but the letter ba is a something which makes the, the following word majroor. Now that might have lost a number of you, but those who are studying Arabic language will understand exactly what I'm talking about. But it doesn't matter. Just keep watching. Now, ila salati. Allah says, 
wash your faces. Now again, the word wuju hakum could have been wuju hukum, wuju hikum, but Allah has made it wuju hakum with a fatha, with a zabar. When we see wuju hakum, we know that that is directly linked to the actual command that we've been told. Fagsilu, wash. Okay, so with that fatha, we know that this, everything that's going to now follow, everything that we see with a fatha in the word, every word that we see with a fatha, okay, like this wuju hakum, we know that it's going back to which command? Fagsilu. We know because this is what we call the maf'ul bihi, the object, okay? The object of the sentence, the object of the sentence. So what is the object that we wash? Faqsilu. The object is going to be the wujuhakum. You will be able to identify it by the fatha. Now that you know that, now look at the following words. Wa'aydiyakum. It's not aydiyakum or aydiyakum. It's aydiyakum. You can see the fatha on the ya, which means that this is also connected to faqsilu. Which means that it goes back to Fagsilu. It means that therefore we also need to wash our hands. Okay? Ilal Marafiq, to the elbows. Wamsahu biru'usikum. Now look at this. We now have a new sub sentence within this wider sentence. You can put brackets around Wamsahu biru'usikum. Well, you start at Wamsahu and you'd end up biru'usikum. Look at the word. Wamsahu is a new command. It means wipe. Before the command was wash. Yes? Now, wamsahu means wipe. But then what follows it is interesting. It's now biru'usikum. And not sa'kum. Not sa'kum. Which means that now its relationship with the washing has now finished. And its now relationship is linked to this, this new verb. The new verb is what? Wipe. Okay? Wamsahu biru'usikum. And then, this is the, the stunning part, the next limb is mentioned, وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ with a fatha. So why is that then? What's that, say, what's that saying to you? Correct. It's that, that is now related back to فَغْسِلُ Now this is strange for us, because in the Arabic language, we don't want to be thrown around all over the place, right? We would, we would assume that actually if we've been told to wash, then all the things that are going to be washed should come in a line, and then all the things which are going to be wiped should come in a line. But here, Allah says we're going to wash, 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 wipe, and then we're going to wash again. How would we know that? The only way when we know that, the only way, is because there's a fatha on it. And that fatha on that word means it must be going back to faghsilu. Does that make sense? So from this verse, now we can translate it as when you stand for prayer, then wash your faces, wash your hands to the elbows, wipe your heads, and wash your feet to the ankles. Is that clear, everybody? And that's the standard qira'ah. That's the standard way we recite this ayah. Except that there is another way of reciting this ayah. Authentically. And this is the qira'ah of warsh. And this is the qira'ah of warsh. And nafi' Uh, his riwayah and uh, how many riwayat Sheikh? Abu Amr, Abu Amr is the Qira'ah Abu Amr so Duri is the riwayah also reciting Qalun uh, is the riwayah also reciting so Qalun and Nafi' and Warsh Nafi' is Qira'ah so Nafi' the Qira'ah the riwayah of Warsh and Qalun both have the Kasra 
Abu Amr has the Riwaya is the is the of the Qira'ah uh, of uh, so Duri, Duri and Susi the two Riwaya of the Qira'ah of Abu Amr so at least well many actually many recitations of this verse would recite like this وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ وَأَرْجُلِكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ So this is a correct way of reciting the Qur'an. وَأَرْجُلِكُمْ Now you tell me, if that word ch- changes to وَأَرْجُلِكُمْ What does now the translation of the ayah mean? It now reads, And now wash your faces and your hands to the elbows and then wipe your heads and your feet till the ankles. Do you understand that now? That just by the change of the diacritical mark from a fatha to a kasra, just the change, just that change, changes the entire translation and meaning of the verse. The entire tra- Because the first one says, Arjulakum, wash your feet. Arjulakum means you wipe your feet. Now, of course, this is very interesting. And the uh, uh, this is a qira'ah which is uh, authentic, not some kind of, this is mutawatir, meaning absolutely authentic way of reciting the Qur'an. And so this is where the scholars basically said that uh, this is one of the beautiful kind of secrets of tafsir, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these two recitations has covered both the washing of the feet and also given the divine permission for the wiping of the hoof, for the wiping of the leather sock. Does that make sense everybody? And so this is yani, one of the the clever kind of nice parts, and this is this is uh, often you you see this. For example, you all know Maliki Yomidin and Maliki Yomidin. Now, this is not the time for Tafsir of Fatiha, but when you know this, you will know that the word Malik means owner, and the word King means King, yani Malik, right? The word King is Malik. The word Malik is one owner, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is almost as if. If you were to say Maliki Yawmiddin, Allah is the owner of the day of deen, the day of, of judgment, that's almost like a deficiency because the owner of something doesn't necessarily, is not necessarily the authority. So for example, a king can run a country and you are the owner of your house, right? And the other way around as well, you could be the king of something, meaning that it's under your authority, but you're not necessarily the owner. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we describe Him, we always describe Him in the perfect way possible. There can't be, when we describe Allah, there can't be a way that we describe Him with deficiency. That Allah is an owner, but He doesn't really own something. You understand what I'm saying? saying? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His divine wisdom, revealed this this, uh, ayah in both of His recitations, Maliki Yawmiddin and Maliki Yawmiddin, which when combined, gives us this supreme meaning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That He is the king and the owner. Absolute authority. Absolute authority. Owner in every single way, disposes of it in any single way, without any permission, without any fear of comeback of the, the day of judgment. So it's important to see that the qira'at, that's a, that's a condition. People talk about tafsir, it's a condition to know the qira'at, uh, the different riwayat, and the qira'at, the actual original the different recitation, the seven recitations, authentic, and then their, uh, their, their, their various uh, narrations, uh, that, that come off them, you need to know that to give a complete full picture of tafsir of an ayah. So that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a useful uh, point to, to, uh, 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 to mention here. It's, it's beneficial, inshallah. Okay, so the next obligation is tartib. 
Tartib means order, okay? Order. And what does that mean? It means that basically you will, you will, um, you will purify your limb in its right place. So this is the fifth of the fifth of the obligations, and the evidence for order is the is the ayah itself. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, when you stand for prayer, then wash your faces, then the hands, and then and then and then and then. Now, let me tell you something very important. Wa wa wa, wa is a and, yes, wa. In Arabic language, wa means and. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, 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 when you stand for prayer, wash your faces, wa, and your hands, and then, then wipe your hands, so there's four ands, and, 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 and. Now the Arab, in Arabic language, the word wa, does not indicate order. If I was to say, Ja Muhammad was Zaid, which means Muhammad and Zaid came, Muhammad and Zaid came, that doesn't necessitate that Muhammad came first and then Zaid came afterwards. It just says, Muhammad and Zaid came. Does that make sense, everybody? Okay? So there needs to be an evidence, a side evidence, what we call a qarina, side evidence to suggest to us that there is an order in play. Does that make sense? So just a woe in the Arabic language by itself does not necessitate order. Have I made that part clear? Unless we have a separate piece of evidence which suggests that. Sheikh Uthameen says, actually that evidence is very clear from two places key. First of all is the Sunnah of the Prophet Never ever did we see him or his companions ever make wudu except in this order. Never did we see the order change. Is that clear? But more, more importantly, the, uh, the, the proof is in the ayah itself. The, the proof in the ayah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions a number of things, okay? Washing of the hands, wash, washing of the face, and then the washing of the hands. When you have similar things, okay? When you have similar things, which is then broken by something different, what's it been broken by? Wiping. Then there would be, there would be, yani, uh, 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 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then it goes back to washing, then it goes back to washing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never interrupt the order of things unless that that thing which was coming in itself has a benefit, has a meaning. Meaning that it's not random, you can't just randomly chuck in, right? Wash, 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 wipe, wash. Except that it's there for a reason to indicate order. The Arabic language will show that. Which means this is a shart. If you are going to stand for prayer, then da 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 da. Okay, and so it's a response to the actual condition which has been uh, 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 which has been placed in the in the verse. Now, Sheikh Uthaymin he says that also, uh, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi said, I begin with that which Allah subhanahu wa taala begins with, which is a a, uh, this is a general statement, it wasn't said with wudu, but it's a basic principle that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts something and mentions this in a uh, in an order fashion, then we should maintain that. And Ibn Taymiyyah then has a nice statement um, with respect to this, a nice quote. And he said, uh, he said the Arabic language, or, or, or sorry, the speech of the Arabs, al-Arabi, uh, uh, is the, 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 the speech of the Arabs is never interrupted when there's a, 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 a nadir and a nadir 
if there is something which is similar to another thing, and, and they're in a list, okay, a similar thing, similar thing, similar thing, or there is, a, there is some kind of example being given, and an example being given, and an example being given, if something breaks that, the only time it breaks that is for a fa'idah. And there is no possible fa'idah, there is no possible benefit in this particular ayah for this break other than to establish order. Other than to establish the obligation of order. And the Prophet ﷺ also he said to the, to the one who... Uh, who, you know, uh, the one who messed up his prayer. You know, the one who came into masjid and said, you know, I prayed. And the Prophet said, go back and pray. And then, and then he told this person, he goes, He goes, make wudu like Allah has commanded you to. Which is another indication, stick to this uh, order and, and you, will, you, will, uh, you will have done it properly. So we have a question here quickly. Um, is, is the... Um, uh, um, this order is an obligation. What have we learned? We've learned that basically, if you don't keep up this order in your wudu, right? If you were for the, 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 what's, the, what's, the, what's the consequence of this point? Is that if you were to walk into wudu and you were to wipe your head first and then wash your face and your arms and then go to your feet, your wudu is invalid. That's the whole point. You have to do it in order. You have to wash your hands first, your, your face first, then your hands, then your feet, your, your, your head, wipe and then wash your feet. That's the whole point of the ayah. So Sheikh says, okay, we have a, we have a question. What if you messed up the order, okay? Either because you didn't know or because you forgot, okay? Either because you didn't know or because you forgot. He goes, some of the scholars, he said that, um, he goes, some of the scholars said that, no, it doesn't matter because if you forget about it out of uh, forgetfulness and or ignorance, then there's an excuse there. There's an excuse, okay? Because, of you, because you didn't know. And other scholars said, no, absolutely no way. The order cannot be left out just by forgetting. Meaning that you forget halfway. If you forget, you know, if you were forgetful and then you realized. Or maybe you finished your, your wudu, okay? And then you realize afterwards, oh, I forgot. I, I did it the other way around because I was, you know, not concentrating. The, this second opinion says, no, you have to go back and you have to do it again because it is a fard from the, uh, the wudu and it is not possible. Now, some of the scholars, they tried to make a comparison. They said that the first group that said that it's okay, it's forgiven. They said it's forgiven, it goes because if you look at the example of the prayer, then the prayer itself, if you miss a prayer, okay, because you forgot about it, and then you remember it at a certain time, it is possible to pray after the current prayer, meaning they'll be out of order, especially if the time is running out, okay? There's some examples, I don't want to get into those uh, right now. He goes, so there's a proof that basically, you know what it is, you forgot about it, let it go. Sheikh Uthameen says, you know what, I don't like this opinion. Uh, first of all, you cannot compare the orders of the prayer to the orders of the order of the wudu. Because uh, the order of the prayer are individual acts of worship that are going against one another. Whereas the order of the actions in wudu is one act of worship. It's within a wudu. He goes, if you're going to make the right comparison, if you want to discuss this academically, then you've got to compare the order of the actions in wudu against the order of the actions in one prayer. Like the ruku and sujood. He goes, does any scholar say that if you were to, you were to go to sajda first before ruku, because you forgot, that that raka'ah would be acceptable? No. You would have to immediately go back straight to that ruku and then carry on from there. Likewise, likewise, 
we say the same. That it is important that if you mess up the order, you have to go back and start again from where you messed it up from. Okay? Or either you start again completely or you go back to the beginning of that point which you messed up the order from. That's one thing. Sheikh says, yes, of course. If we were to come across some miskin yani from Nepal, yani he's been whole, his whole life, he's been just, you know, <laughs> been, you know he, he doesn't know nothing, miskin he is, and he's been washing his feet first. And then he's been doing the other three for his whole life. We're not going to go to him and say, go back and now repeat all of your wudu and your prayers for the last 50 years. Yeah, because miskin, that's pure jahil. Pure, he didn't know miskin. And so he's, uh, he's uh, let, uh, let off for this uh, reason. But there are some exceptions here. Okay? Um, there are exceptions to this rule. Why, what is the exception? The exception is, is if that limb has a double, a plural, a double. Yes? So, for example, when we're saying order, okay, we're talking about the order of the obligatory limbs, not the not the 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 the, 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 the two of within a limb. So, for example, when we wash the face, which is first, and now we come to the hands, that's next. It has to be next, but it doesn't mean that it has to be the right and then the left. For example, if you were to wash the left hand first and then the right, that's okay because the order within the actual limb, that's all right. Does that make sense? So when you come to the feet itself, you should start with the right first and the left. If you were to do the left first before the right, that wouldn't matter because the order within the actual limb is not the problem. The order is the, the limbs themselves. So face, hands, head, feet. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's important. And likewise, the order is different according to the different categories. So we're talking about obligatory actions here. But there is a sunnah order as well. And that's why you will see when we, if you go back to your notes, when we covered the sunnah actions, why we said it's a sunnah to do that at the time before the face, the washing of the, the nose and the uh, mouth. So to wash the mouth, then the nose, then the face, then the hands. There's also an understanding that the more you open up the categories to include obligatory and sunnah actions, then the order then becomes more important. Okay, And then finally, the al-mu'ala, uh, uh, which is the continuity. And uh, what the Sheikh says is al-mu'ala. And what is mu'ala? What is continuity? It is basically that one doesn't delay the washing of a limb until the one before it dries up. That you do not delay the washing of a set of one limb so much so that the one before it has dried up. If it dries up, then well, that's it. You've broken the continuity. Meaning that, well, I mean, in a nutshell, what they're trying to say is that your wudu needs to be like one action. It can't be so that it looks like it was a, there was a break in the action. And how did they de- determine a break? They determined it with the drying up of the limb before. I'm going to look at this in a second. Yeah. Um, just on the last part. <clears throat> say, for example, you're washing your face. Yes. And then you go to your head. Yes. You have to start again completely or it's going back to your arms. No, yes, so, so yes, a good example. So the question is, is that what if you're washing your face and then you just go to wipe your head? What would you do? Do you have to start wudu again immediately? No. You wash your face, that's still there. Now you go to your hands and then you go back to your face. Yes? Just going back to the, to the eye. Yeah. We said that we just passed that. There would no, be no benefit of having Wa'amdula uh, after uh, Wa'usiku. But in the other recitation, well, uh, the, I, I said that what sorry I said that, that there's no there's no understood benefit of coming after uh, no Wusiko. no there's no understood benefit of wamsahu in between yep, yeah in between al-maghsulat as, as Sheikh Ulaythaymin says 
he goes that we have al-maghsulat and then mamsuhat. He said that, and this is the statement of Ibn Taymiyyah, not my statement. He goes, there's no benefit to mamsuhat being between the maghsulat except for a fa'idah. What is that fa'idah? The fa'idah is tartib. Okay, but that's like that's like saying that if there are uh, marshmallows on the moon when we get there, are they going to be halal to eat or do we have to get fatwa? Yani, uh, you're, you're saying if the verse said arjula kum here, but the verse doesn't. Yeah, but I'm saying the reason it doesn't is to allow the other recitation to exist. Uh, we don't know that. We, we don't know that. Well, the direct answer is that the direct answer would be that um, you have completed the Arabic uh, series of washing, and now you've gone into two series of wiping. So, so what would the Arabic mean? So, 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 so. Go show the eye for him. Put it on. It's good, it's good, it's okay. Yeah. So if you took what I'm saying, my advice to you is don't create any hypotheses which are not there. Yani we don't need to put the arjula before the mamsahu because that's not what Allah wanted or intended. Stick to what Allah has given us, which is what you started your argument with. Arjulakum and then arjulikum both in its right current place. Yeah. Your, your, your point is that, I, okay, if you're arguing that arjulakum, which refers to the wiping, is the proof that this is in order, if it, would ch- if it were to change to arjulikum, then the point of, of evidence of using the ayah for order is cancelled. This is what your point is, isn't it? Okay? So that's what you need to say. You don't need to say that if arjulakum was before, or this or that. So the response to that is two. Number one, the Sunnah of the Prophet has made it clear what the order is. That's the first thing. But to use the Arabic uh, on the ayah itself, we would we would have same, 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 and then uh, uh, different, but same, same. And you're you're right. The fa'ida of proving that it has a different order would drop. Correct, we said that. We said that the word well and is not a word which is not, it's, it's something, يحتمل, يعني, both. It can either mean and or then, depending upon the context, depending upon the supporting evidences. Was you hear when I said that? Uh, yeah, so the qarina is important. So the qarina here is what? The, uh, the no, the qarina is the action of the Prophet. 
So the action of the Prophet ﷺ turns the and into a then, then, then. If the Prophet ﷺ didn't do the order, then the and would have just said, as you have said, would just remain as a and. But now because the action of the Prophet ﷺ shows always, every single time that he did it in this order, now the wow is like a summa, like you mentioned. Okay? So, um, al-muwala, the continuity. So this is the final obligation, the sixth obligation according to Hamli Madhab, that is from the uh, obligations of wudu. Okay? And it means that when something uh, uh, continues uh, straight after it. Okay? Um, and... This continuity is indicated, Shaykh Uthameen says, in the ayah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh you who believe, when you're, about, when you're about to stand for prayer, then wash your faces. The fa, here, faghsilu, is a den. So when it's about this, then go and do that. Okay? And Shaykh Uthameen says, he goes that when you have the, uh, uh, when you have um, the jawab al-shart, this is an Arabic language point, Okay? Whenever you have a response to a, a condition, if you want to do this, then do that. Then there is, in principle, it is never delayed. The then, in Arabic language, does never mean la akhar. Okay? It, this is part of the, uh, uh, the uh, principle of Arabic language. And as for the evidence, so that's evidence from the Quranic Arabic. As for the evidence from the Sunnah, then the Prophet ﷺ has never been narrated to have done it in two parts or three parts. Has always done it in a continuous single uh, uh, motion, okay, and um, and um, and, and Sheikh Thamim makes makes a couple of points. He says that um, that there have been a I don't I, I don't actually think that there's a no I don't think that there is a um, And yeah, okay, Sheikh Zamin says, yeah. And he goes, some of the scholars said that uh, that this continuity is a sunnah only, and not, an, not, a, not a condition of the wudu, not an obligation. So a person could, and they said the reason for that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only ordered for them to be washed. He didn't say that they have to happen immediately. Okay? And, and, and Sheikh Zamin responds, he goes, it's much better, much safer to consider it to be a condition. He goes, because this is a single act of worship. It's ibadatun wahida. The wudu is a single uh, act of worship. And a single act of worship is never divided out into parts. Like one part here, one part there, and so on. Okay. Now, so th- that's fine. Now let's uh, get our teeth into what I think is the important part, which is how the, our author, Imam al-Hajjah, he defines what continuity is. He defines it in a very interesting way. He says that continuity means that one doesn't delay the washing of a limb until the one before it dries up. Okay, so he's obviously using what he considers to be because there's nothing from the Prophet Sallallahu to, to you know the Prophet, the Prophet Sallallahu never said that you can't delay your 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 washing of your limb until the other one dries up. So therefore, the scholars are using urf, meaning the culture of the people, to try and understand a reasonable amount of time, a reasonable amount of time, and. Obviously, when the author makes this statement, he says that with the condition that the conditions outside are not raining and the conditions outside is not burning. Because obviously, if it's burning hot, then it will dry within one second, literally. Okay, you, anyone who's done uh, wudu in like Saudi outside, you'll know that it's just, you know, within seconds it's all gone. And you know that if it's freezing cold outside and it's wet and everything, then your arm and legs will stay wet for ages and ages, like 15, 20 minutes. So theoretically, you could go, you know, wash your face, 
then go to the back, chill, you know, have a munch, come back, and then wash your arms, and then chill. You know what I'm saying? You could, so obviously, the, the, the meaning of this point that the, the limb after it doesn't dry or whatever is in a normal, normal conditions that doesn't change and have an effect on the water uh, uh, itself. itself. And, and um, also, when they mention this point, the Hanbalis, when they mention this point, when they say that, they, they, when you, for example, I wash my face, yes? And it's now wet. And now I wash my arms and they're now wet. And now I'm about to wipe my head. As I'm about to wipe my head, my face is now dried. Is that a problem? Why is it not a problem? Because the ruling is about the arms. Okay? So it doesn't matter if my face is now dried naturally. Okay? As long as my arms are wet, then it's okay now to go on. This is according to the Hanbalis. Is that clear? Now, um, Sheikh Uthameen, he also likes this opinion. He prefers this idea of the wetness. Okay? Because um, he goes that... Uh, it's safer and so on. But he then does admit, he says that it has been mentioned by some scholars, okay? And this is my personal opinion, okay? And he, Sheikh Uthameen says, this is a riwayah from Imam Ahmed, a narration from Imam Ahmed, that the ibrah is, is, bitul al-fasl urfan, not, la la binashaf al-a'da, that the, the what, what is actually given consideration is actually time, a long time, according to the culture not actually the drying up of the limb. Okay? So it's not really about whether it dries or not, it's about whether the gap is so much that things have kind of lost control. Abdullah ibn Umar has been narrated in the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shaiba, authentic Senate, that he was in the market and he was making his wudu. And he finished his washing his face, arms, he wiped his head. As soon as he finished wiping his head, man came to him and said, there's a janazah here in the masjid, can you lead the salah? And so he goes, okay. So he walked into the masjid and he stood for salah, and before he did the takbir for the janazah, he wiped over his feet. Okay, so he must have been wearing a cloth or something, and he wiped over his feet. So he completed his wudu actually inside the masjid when he standing for prayer. I don't know, three, four minutes, two, who knows? Okay, Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti, he said that as far as I'm concerned, five minutes is acceptable. Meaning that there's this understanding that. Um, uh, that the, the gap period, okay, is not about the drying. The gap period is about when people would look at it, they think, wow, man, that's a long time. You know what I'm saying? Okay? So, for example, if you were, if you were to wash your, 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 wipe your head, okay, and you started now about to wash your feet, and a phone call came. Now, a phone, there's phone calls and then there's phone calls. So, I'm saying, yeah, you know, pick up your phone, no problem. Pick up the phone. What's happening, bro? You're right, yeah. Listen, bro. I mean, making wudu, this, that, whatever. If you make it quick, then make it quick. Knock it up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, job done. Obviously, Mrs. calls and says, right, blah, 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 yada, 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 yada. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you just put it on speaker and just <laughs> put it down and just carry on doing everything. Whatever. The point is, is if the phone call goes on for 10, 15 minutes and a person wants to come in and they'd be thinking, right, you know, what are you doing speaking on the phone in the bathroom, right? First of all, why have you got your phone in the bathroom? Aslan, that's the first thing. But the point is, you understand the, the issue that um, it's whatever anyone will consider to. I think five minutes within our culture is right. Now, there is a very important. Uh, now, Sheikh Mutameen, what he doesn't like about this position, he's got a point. He, get, he goes that the problem when you use culture, people's culture, people's own kind of societal uh, norms, is that it's difficult to set parameters upon them. It's difficult to keep them under wrap, uh, under control. So one person says, oh, in my time, yani, in my people, we say 15 minutes, nothing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're chillers, man. You know what I'm saying? 
It's true, isn't it? You might come across here and some boys from Jamaica. And I was like, yeah, man. Uh, you know, whatever. Take it easy, relax. <laughs> we ain't rushing enough, nothing for no one. Maybe their 15 minutes is like hour four. Do you know what I mean? His, that's his point. His point is that when you leave it up in the air for culture, then everyone's going to do a bit memorable with it, isn't it? Right? So he goes that at least when you've got this concept of water and drying, it's under control. And that's fair enough. And, that's, and, that's, and, that, and that, that, is, that is fair enough. Um, but definitely, I'm very strongly, strongly, strong, strong believer in the, in the alternative opinion. This is definitely my opinion. The class position as well is this position. And I want to say that the class position is that it's not to do with the drying of water. Or the drying up of the limb. Okay? It is to do with time. Now, obviously, I tell you what's very useful about this opinion. Who can tell you? Who can tell me what's very useful about this opinion? This isn't the reason why I choose this opinion, but it does help in fatwa, or it does help in fiqh, I should say. Or when would that be useful? Who can, who can tell me the immediate benefit of the opinion that I am teaching, as opposed to the opinion of waiting for the other side to dry first? Of course it's more flexible, but give me a specific scenario. You don't get caught with your foot in the sink, you know what I'm saying? Absolute flipping dream. Okay, so you've got this situation now. You see, you know what happens, right? Yeah, yeah you're there in the sink, and it, it, you know, making wudu in the sink is a mission aslan, yeah? But you know uh, what you've got to do? You've got to set it all up. So you've got to go and get two piles of, of, uh, of uh, uh, paper towels and put them on the floor, okay? And then you take your socks off and stand on each one. Then when you've got to your washing your feet and you've washed it, then you've got to put it down gently on that one. You've got to make sure you step on it correctly, yes? And then balance yourself and then get your other foot into the other one. And then, you know, mess about, flap around. It's a real mission. It's a real mission. And if you can imagine how much easier it would be, for example, to lift up your right foot, yes? Wash it and dry it whilst it's there. So you've washed it and then you dry it completely. And then put it in your sock on and put your shoe on straight away. And now you've got a socked up, shoed up right foot now to stand on. And now you wash your left foot. And then you wash up, dry up, whatever, whatnot. You realize actually that practically this makes the world of difference. Now obviously, if you were to literally stick to the letter of the law, like the fiqh of the Hanbalis, they say you can't dry it. We say, what's the evidence you can't dry it? Once something has been washed, it's washed. It doesn't need to remain wet. Which goes into another chapter, which goes into another issue. Is it permissible to dry? And this is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars and the companions. But there are a number of the companions. Abdullah ibn Abbas, for example, has been narrated that he, sometimes he would walk out. He would walk out of the wudu area and he would have water dripping. We've seen the Prophet ﷺ, water dripping. Anas ibn Malik would dry himself with a mindid, with a, with a towel. Jabir uh, ibn Abdullah, he said, don't do it. Don't dry yourselves. So this is a khilaf amongst the scholars, okay? But this drying is not talking about drying in between. This is talking about just drying in general. Can you dry up uh, afterwards, okay? Well, I want to say to you that there is no evidence at all to show that wudu is only correct if at the end of the wudu process everything is wet. There's no evidence to show that. So I'm saying that it is permissible if there's a reason, like for example, it's really, really, really cold and you wash your arm and you know that even leaving that arm exposed uh, whilst you wash this one is causing problems. Minus 30 degrees, blah, 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 blah. So it's permissible 
for you to wash that and then dry it and then put your sleeve down and then move on to the second one. This is my opinion and I don't see any reason uh, for that to not be the case. And um, as we said, he said, right, I'll call me my Muhammad as well. Sheikh Uthameen says, and he mentions a good point. He goes, this does, he goes that if, if, he goes, there are some exceptions to this scenario. He goes, the exception would be that if there was a delay, but the delay was part and parcel of the washing. Okay? So, the delay, for example, you're washing your arm. Okay? And we've basically, we, we've said five minutes, they've said that your face shouldn't dry. Yes? Let's now say that the face is dried. The reason the face is dried is because he's come across some paint. So now he's scratching away at the paint, and he's scratching away, and then he sees another part. And now he's scratching away at the paint, he's scratching away at the paint. Okay? By the time that he's got rid of all the paint, 15 minutes has gone by. Do you understand? His, this is bone dry now, isn't it? Okay? According to the Hanbalis, this is no problem, because he is actually still continuously within the act of purification. So even they themselves don't necessitate really the issue of the drying. It's more about what seems like a continuous act. He says, on the other hand though, if you were washing your face and then you move to your hand, and now you're washing your hand, and suddenly as you're washing your hand, you have a look, go all over, and you see some blood here on this shirt, okay, or some najasa of some sort, and then you kind of just drop that and now you get into now washing this, okay, and that takes 10-15 minutes, Wudu is broken. Because this has nothing to do with your tahara. Your tahara is a physical tahara of your body. This is the tahara of your clothes. It has nothing, it's a separate act of worship. What should happen is that you would finish your wudu and now then start cleaning this. And it's a separate point. And Shaykh Tameen, he goes, same way, would, the same applies if you are making wudu from a well. And you will finish the water, and then you are then putting the water back down into the well again, and then bringing the bucket back up, and that took 10 minutes, then that also wouldn't be a problem. The continuity would still have been maintained. So, I think that's very interesting, actually. Um, I think that's a nice, uh, a nice point to, to close with as well. Because then the next uh, few sections then talk about... Um, Yeah, the next sections are, are something different. It's a new section, so that's, uh, that's good. So I hope that makes sense. hope that makes sense. A very important announcement that I wanted to make, brothers and sisters, especially those who are serious about this, okay? You, uh, serious students, they never run away from Q&A, okay? Questions, <laughs> because it tests, it exactly tests where you are, what you know, and so on. And the brothers and sisters at the transcribing team and the notes team, they've gone to a lot of hassle, a lot of hassle, to prepare some practice questions and answers. Like mock exam, okay? You can find that on the main page in the forums. You'll see it there, the practice questions. And not enough people are going there and taking use of it. You can see from the members and so on. Which is a shame, because there's a lot of effort going into that, you know, to, to go through the notes and create the questions and so on and so forth. So I urge you all to, make, to take advantage of that, okay? We are considering a whole new system of examination, blah, blah, blah. And this is really important to see that you are definitely, it's not just a lesson, not just jokes. It's not just the lots of information which is going over your head. It is important that you, re you review your notes before you come to the lesson. It is important that you get at least one or two readings done. It is important that you try and test yourself as much as possible. And testing is always the most difficult thing from an examin examiner point of view and a student. But it's the most beneficial. So if the examiners have done their part, 
then you guys should also step up and do your part. So everyone who's online, please check it out. Everyone who's here, also please check it out. Um, next week, inshallah, uh, of course, the class will be coming live from uh, Malaysia, from Kuala Lumpur. And so all the folks who are uh, in KL, then just keep uh, an eye on the Qabilat Ihsan, the Al-Maghrib Qabilat Ihsan Facebook page and Twitter page, and you will receive, you will see the location. Also, the Prophetic Guidance page will also uh, let you know where the location is for all of those who, in Kuala Lumpur who will be coming out for um, uh, for Protect This House on next weekend. On the Wednesday, Logical Progression will be live, um, and there will be, uh, there'll be like a, a, an extra session after the LP. There'll be some Q&A and some, some other stuff that we're going to do together, inshallah. Um, so that's the, the, the two key announcements. Um, any questions? Yes, yes. So, uh, Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar is now telling us the numbers now so that we can do a good comparison of the recitation of Ar-Ju'l-Likum. Okay, so the main, the main recitation that we all recite, Ar-Ju'l-Likum, has been narrated by Hafs. Okay, about by the, the, so that's the qira'ah of 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 Hafs, yeah, and the the the, the this is the qira'ah of of Asim and yes. the rawaya of Hafs. It is the qira'ah of Nafi' the the the, the narration yeah. of Qalun and Warsh. Yeah. Okay, should yeah. we should we count qira'at or should we count riwayat? No, just we count qira'at. Okay, let's only count. Remember that the. The original recitation is the original imam, and then the two imams that come off would be considered the narrations, riwayat. So we are now going to count qira'at, okay? So the qira'at of Hafs, which is what, what us all packs in the world recite, okay? The qira'at of Nafi', which is basically the rest of the world, okay? So that's okay, we've got Ibn Amari Anis, which is now the, 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 the Somalis are not included yet. Yep. So very, very, very few people. And Kisai, which I don't think anyone is saying. So the Somalis are holding up. Okay. So Abu Amr meaning the Somalis, some of the Yemenis, yes. and maybe some Sudan. Yes. And uh, also Ibn Kathir. But today Ibn Kathir, the Kriban dead. Yeah. So from a today modern modern world kind of representation of the Qiraat. Only the Somalis and some of the Yemenis have Arjulikum as a day-to-day recitation that they will read and hear. And as for the Arjulakum, they're pretty much the rest of the world. And obviously, historically though, historically, many, many recitations obviously had Arjulikum. They were the Kasra. But because today not many people recite them, other than the people who have memorized all 10 Qira'at, you know, the masters. So that's the one that's good, as, as a, from a numbers point of view. Yes, any online? Yeah. Like if you bring your wudu, you completely your wudu. Yep. Where's the evidence like we say about drying like for example this was a tower Yes. Or where's the um you mean there's evidence to show that it wasn't done, but there's no evidence to show that you shouldn't do it. Does that make sense? So the Prophet ﷺ walking in water dripping shows it wasn't done by him then. It doesn't necessarily mean 
that it's not allowed to do. So there's a difference between the two. Yeah. Where's the socks? Yeah. Coming. It's coming. That's a major section. Uh, let's do the online and then. Yallah. Um, did you say it's recommended, example, to wash right hand before the left? Absolutely. Even though it's not obligatory. Absolutely. The Prophet ﷺ loved to put the right in everything. Or do online, yeah. Uh, let's say you mess up your guru and you forgot to wash your feet. You pray, let's say, asa, and then it's another time that you realize you forgot to wash your feet. Uh, then you have to obviously do your guru again from another, but each time you have to also pray asa. Yes, in my opinion, if you have forgot to wash your feet, then you need to go back, even as though it's Maghrib time, and you need to pray your Asr, and then your Maghrib. Yep. Are we allowed to dry our face with a towel before we go to wash the hands? Yes, in my opinion, it's allowed for you to dry your face with a, with a towel before you wash your hands, if there's a reason to do that. I mean, you know, I, if you want to do that, it's allowed. Um, what... Um what is the point at which one goes too deep into fiqh and goes overboard? For example, it could be argued that trying to legally define exactly what constitutes the face and the hand is going too far and detracts from the simplicity and the ease of the religion. Um, it could be, it's a, it's a good and a difficult question, but um, the answer to that is that um, some scholars do consider... Some scholars do consider that you should just keep it simple and keep it to the face. So it's not just a, 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 a random point. Um, but generally, the imams of fiqh, they do need to create some parameters because some people, they don't appreciate any, what, what is defined as a face and so on. So if there is a need, then it, then it, then it, it does require that definition. So the answer to that is that it's something which is, it self-regulates. The the, 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 the the field regulates itself. And finally, can you give us some more information about the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba? The Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba. Um, I like to be honest, that's going off the topic. To be honest, that's a detail. It's a it's a uh, um, it's a, a book of of riwayat of it's a it's a combination of a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu and narrations from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ and some of the tabi'een uh, with very, very uh, short uh, chains. So it is very, very close. And a lot of it um, is, is uh, authentic and a lot of it is not authentic and it requires very detailed checking of the chains. But it's a wealth of information of understanding the actions of the companions especially. Because we know we have a lot of focus on the Prophet ﷺ in the big books of Hadith and the Musnad and the Sunan and whatever. All of these books, when you study the, 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 when you study the science of Hadith, you'll know that a Jami' like Imam Bukhari's and like a Sunan like the four Imams and like a Musnad like Imam Ahmed and Abu Ya'la and so on and like a uh, all of these uh, various de- uh, types of collection of Hadith are are arranged around the Prophet ﷺ in different manners. And so, there, and you learned all these different types. The ma'ajim, the mu'ajam, and this and that. Whereas for the companions, there's very little which is specifically dedicated for them. So the, the uh, Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba has a real focus on the companions um, directly. But that's all I, I, I'd say for now. Okay, we'll call it then. Barakallahu feekum, jazakumullah khair. Uh, yeah, that's it. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, 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 alhamdulillah,